Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry and we're continuing on with Season 7 where we are looking at women in films. And for today's episode we've got a classic for you or perhaps an unsung hero of the Tarantino collection. It's the 1997 crime drama Jackie Brown. Adapted from a novel by Elmore Leonard and adapted and directed by Quentin Tarantino. And starring Pam Greer as the title character with an incredible supporting cast including frequent collaborator Samuel L. Jackson, the wonderful Robert Foster in a career-defining role, Bridget Fonda, Chris Tucker, the extremely archaic Robert De Niro in this role, and Michael Keaton. The third film by Quentin Tarantino, and one that is overlooked because of his sheer weight and recognition of his other limited works, such as Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, and more recently, Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Films like Death Proof and Jackie Brown are usually neglected because of the influence of his other works, but over time, I found myself to connect more with Jackie Brown than, let's say, Django Unchained or Reservoir Dogs. Whatever film Tarantino was going to do for his third film had to follow on the footsteps of his last two films, which were Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, both arguably his most recognised and famous pieces of work. Quite the work of art to follow, the bar was certainly raised to an all-time high. It was easy to assume that Tarantino had to somehow top Pulp Fiction if ever there was such a thing. And you know what? After looking back at his volume of work and letting time do its thing, I can honestly say that Jackie Brown may indeed be his masterpiece. I know, right? Jackie Brown, unlike his others, does not rely on cinematic style to help administer the story. This film is solely on the interactions between characters, and that is it. And you could argue so does Pulp Fiction, but we do have countless scenes in Pulp Fiction that rely on the backbone of grisly violence. For example... Pam Grier's character is well established in this movie. We know her gender, her flaws, her style. We appreciate her and love her sass. She also happens to be flawed, which makes her relatable. And then we have her interactions with all the other characters, including Robert Foster. We understand his angle about his character with Max Cherry and their relationship together. Two flawed characters who ultimately conspire together. The film takes its time to help us get invested in these two characters, and not even just them two, but with Sam Jackson's character, Rob's character, and the more invested or engaged you are with the characters of the movie, the more engaged you are with the entire movie or story. Now, with Pulp Fiction, as brilliant as it is, and it's one of my favourite films, all we really know about, let's say, what, Vincent, played by John Travolta, is he's a laid-back, nonchalant gangster who has travelled to Europe. That's it. The justification of us following him is the violence he seems to invite in his surrounding and presence. Jackie Brown is the lowest rated film of his, and yet I think people may have misinterpreted why it is a work of genius. The sole reason is the way he writes his characters, and not just in this film, in all of his films, but where Jackie Brown differs from this film to his rest is this is your typical hangout movie wrapped around in ingenious heists at the end of the movie. Tarantino himself compared this movie to a film called Rio Bravo, which is this John Wayne film made in the late 50s. He explained that this movie is better the second time you watch it and continues to increase its relationship with you each time you view it, like a fine wine as it ages. The first time you watch it, you're waiting to get to the plot of the movie, the heist at the end of Jackie Brown, and you're asking yourself, why are we just hanging around with these characters? And then when you return to watch it again, you realise... You want to hang out with these characters even more. You just want to chill with them because you know who these characters are now. On a second or tenth viewing, 
you completely forget about the plot and you just chill with the characters, which is exactly what happens in Jackie Brown. Uh, Days and Confuse uh, with Matthew McConaughey is one of the best hangout movies, in my opinion. You can simply have that film on in any set- setting and just chill. The same thing happened to me when I watched Jurassic Park at such a young age. I would always be excited for the dinosaur scenes. Naturally, as a kid, you'd love dinosaurs. You want to see dinosaurs. And Jurassic Park isn't a hangout movie by any means, but it explains my point of Jackie Brown. So there's a scene in Jurassic Park, um, and I found this to scene. I found this scene to be so boring when I first watched it um, because I was a kid and I wanted to see dinosaurs. And there's a scene with Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Richard Attenborough, and even the lawyer, and they're just sat around the table talking about the ethics of the park over lunch, the calm before the storm of fuel. And I would always find that scene to be my least favorite scene because they were just talking and there was no dinosaurs. I think it was the only scene where there's like no dramatic music or um, or any signs of dinosaurs. However, as I grew up and I watched the film more often, it was that lunchtime scene where I was looking forward to watching it the most because it was all of the characters just hanging out and debating and I was hanging out with them. And that's what Jackie Brown and Rio Bravo do in their films. And it works, especially now when people seem to have films on in the background when they're on their phones or just seem to not be able to concentrate on what they're watching. Jackie Brown was, for me, ahead of its time, and it didn't take any shortcuts to try to rape your attention. No special effects, no fight scenes, no violence, just a well-crafted story with well-constructed characters. So I was reading an article on Tarantino and his desire to hurt women in the film, and this came off the back of The Hateful Eight, where Jennifer Janet Lee's character is gruesomely attacked by the hands of the men in the movie. In fact, singled out mainly because she is the main antagonist of the movie. And another critic simply said, if anything, Tarantino is intentionally not trying to be misogynistic, but practicing extreme female equality. And Tarantino responded saying, well, how can I have seven characters be hurt and shot and have one not be touched at all because she's a woman? I'm not going to do that. Tarantino is accountable for introducing many complex, strong female characters. The Bride in Kill Bill, Daisy Domeyu in Hateful Eight, Pam Greer in Jackie Brown. And even the side characters show a sense of independence or breaking from the norm, like Hammerschmark going against the Nazis in Glorious Bastards or Mia Wallace rebellion with drugs in Pulp Fiction. And these need to happen more in cinema. The opportunity for us not to just watch strong female characters, but also a flawed female character, like we do usually with males in gangster movies or the over-obsessed alcoholic detective that is a man. And with Pam Greer in Jackie Brown... Tarantino takes us on a journey with this woman or this woman who is nothing more than just getting what she wants and working for it, despite the obstacles and shackles society or the situation of some people have put her in. Long story short, Tarantino is not a misogynist. In fact, quite the opposite. He is a pioneer. Jackie Brown is amazing. She's evidently got great taste in music, not at all instigated by Tarantino himself. You don't have to look hard to see Pam Greer bring in that black, independent elegance to Jackie Brown. But what will need to strain your attention, what will need to really pay attention to the movie for you guys is if you keep an eye sharp on Jackie Brown's performance, you notice how vulnerable she is. And she knows it. A 44-year-old black air hostess making 16 grand a month and is constantly surrounded by authoritative men. With Tarantino, what he does is he puts her in the center of these characters and invites her to adapt using not her weapon as a woman, but her wit and desire.
Her judge of character is also good, meaning she recognises a good heart when she sees it. She uses it to her advantage and her personal desire. And that's how the heist is pulled off with the extraordinary and smooth performance of Robert Foster in this movie, who ends up banking up the film's only Oscar nomination. Robert Foster has Max Cherry is probably one of my most favourite characters in cinema ever. He reminds anyone of the perfect dad or the most loyal friend, and yet he plays a part in this incognito act and yet still remains humble and honest with the audience Tarantino seems to attract a lot of attention with his supporting characters in his movies especially with the Academy most of his supporting cast have either been nominated or won the Oscar for best supporting for a best supporting role uh, Foster for this movie Travolta got nominated for best supporting actor in Pulp Fiction Christopher Christoph Waltz was nominated and won twice for Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Jennifer Janet Leigh was nominated for an Oscar for Hateful Eight. And more recently and uh, successfully, Brad Pitt's supporting role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Even out of all of those, even uh, Walt's performances, Lander, I absolutely love Robert Foster's Max Cherry in this film. He is the person that doesn't need to try hard to persuade you who he's telling the truth. And it's just convinced by the tender acting, which earned him his only nomination of his career. So Jackie Brown, what is the film about? Well, it's adapted from a novel called Rum Punch. Rum Punch. And first off, her name is not Jackie Brown in the book, it's Jackie Burke. Tarantino changed the name, implying basically, well, Pam Grier did some work called Foxy Brown early in her career, and I think he just paid tribute to that, which I thought was a cool thing. So when Pam Grier walked into audition for Tarantino's movie, Jackie Brown, they were, Tarantino said they were all my posters from 20 years ago. Basically, he had all the Pam Grier posters in the background, um, basically when she was a little kid and, you know, she was really, really, really skinny. And um, she basically said to him when she got there, did you put all those posters up because I was coming over? And he said, no, I was actually going to take them down because you were coming over, which was actually quite an interesting thing. He was such a big fan of Pam Grier, and I'm glad he got to work with her because they really clicked well in this movie. And you can tell as well their chemistry between director and actor is just spot on. The character in the book, Rum Punch, is also white in the novel. This is the only film that Tarantino has also adapted from a novel. All his other works are his own stories. He was quite reluctant to show the author the finished screenplay, but to his shock... And no surprise at all, now that we know who Tarantino is and how good of a writer he is, he said it's not just the best adaptation of his novel, which there are over 25 of, by the way, but he believes it was the best screenplay he had ever written. So the film, or novel, essentially follows this middle-aged woman who finds herself in the middle of this massive conflict between these cops and this arms dealer and also some other characters that lead to this drop-off at the end of the movie that either may cost her a life or make her very rich. The ending of the movie follows a unique style that Tarantino did in Pulp Fiction where we return to the scene that we saw earlier but from a different vantage point which helps further inform the audience of what exactly is going on here. At the end of Jackie Brown we see three or four vantage points of the famous mall scene which is a cinematic style famously used in Kurosawa's Rashomon which was made in the 50s which I think was one of the first times they used that style. We have now seen them in other films like Dunkirk, Knives Out and Gone Girl. This marks the second time Tarantino works with Samuel L. Jackson in this movie, which continued in momentum later in both their careers. 
Samuel L. Jackson calls this his favorite Tarantino role ever. It wasn't his idea to be in the movie, but he auditioned for it and they just clicked like they did in Pulp Fiction. And it was his, it was his idea to give his uh, character a goatee and braided hair, which I found was quite cool. He also has a unique record in this movie, Sam Jackson, for the most times he says the word motherfucker, which in this movie is 37, which as of 2018 is still the record, hence why he has that gimmick where he has to say motherfucker in most of his films, like Snakes on a Plane and even the new Avengers movie, which you have to watch the end credits for him to say that. The film also holds the second lowest death count for a Tarantino film with four people who dies in this movie. Kill Bill 2 holds the record technically with three, but with flashbacks it's like seven or eight. And also, if technically speaking, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 are classed as one movie since it's the same story. So technically, Jackie Brown is his lowest death toll in a movie since in Kill Bill 1. About 100 or people get slaughtered in that movie. So... And the four people that die in Jackie Brown are shown in the opening scene of the movie as well, which is quite cool. Don't know if he did that by purpose, but I'm sure he did. And he was criticised for his violence in his last two films, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, so he made sure for this film all the deaths happened at a distance or off-screen. However, he didn't continue to do that with the likes of Kill Bill or Inglourious Bastards or any of the others, in fact, actually. Probably the first and last time Quentin Tarantino listened or tried to please the critics. Consequently, this also happens to be the only Tarantino film that isn't rated R or 18. Jackie Brown is rated 15. So Tarantino does this classic thing that he does in most movies where when the villain or antagonist is defeated, we have a POV shot from the villain and we see the main character or heroes looking down at the body, which is done in this film and also in Inglorious Bastards at the end. Behind the scenes, it was rumoured that Tarantino and Robert De Niro did not get along because Bobby wasn't given too much to do in the movie. However, the opening scene is pretty much one word answers and mumbling, but I have to defend Tarantino here. Only a great actor can convincingly be mesmerising and have so little to do in the movie, which Robert De Niro is certainly, you know, he nails the role. And I think it's one of his greatest roles um, because you can just see him progressively getting bad. His character of Louis progressively gets, you know, louder and more animated in the film. And I think it's the great arc to his character, that of a ticking time bomb where he eventually kills Melanie at the end and then ending his own death as well. And this is why I believe that the characters are so well directed in this movie because they all have an arc and an individual story and it's just perfectly written. The progression of every single character, Robert De Niro read the script and originally wanted to play Max Cherry, but Tarantino had his heart set on Robert Foster for the role, but said you can have the title of Louis if you wanted to. This is actually the second collaboration between Robert De Niro and Samuel L. Jackson. They were both in Goodfellas. And if you look carefully on the fridge at the start, there is a picture of Sam Jackson naked in a bathtub, which was taken from the shot or scenes of Goodfellas. The shortlist for the character of Max Cherry, which I believe is probably one of the most important roles in the movie, is kind of like how Hans Lander is basically the most important character in Inglourious Bastards, but he isn't the main character. Um, but the shortlist for Max Cherry um, was Gene Hackman, Paul Newman, Paul Saxon, and Robert Foster eventually land in the latter. And he was actually removed from all the marketing, despite being one of the main characters of this movie. You see, Robert Foster had a massive dip in his career before this. This movie single-handedly boosted his career back on track, and his performance, like I said, earned the film his own, or the only, Oscar nomination. And this is the only Tarantino film not to have won an Oscar when they have been nominated. But when this movie premiered on terrestrial television in 2001, which is four years after its release, um, Radio Times guy called Andrew Collins had it as film of the week. And he wrote that the truth is it's his most mature film. It may lack the simplicity of Reservoir Dogs or the fireworks of Pulp Fiction, but it proves that Tarantino 
is a director who doesn't need violence to hold our attention. Also, unlike Dogs and Pulp, Jackie is told in chronological order. For me, this film actually confirmed to me that Tarantino knows what he's doing and he didn't get lucky with a two-hit wonder in the name of Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. I mean, both films are similar in themes and stories, gangsters, robberies, and even diamonds maybe, crime genres, and the satire violence of it. Jackie Brown may be a crime movie, but it would detach from what we thought we knew of the man and prove to the critics that he knows how to tell a story from beginning to end without gratuitous violence and with well-established smart characters and that's another thing I like about the movie. Everyone in this film is smart, but they are st- are they smarter than Jackie Brown is the whole concept of this movie. And that's the whole chase of this film. Who comes out on top? And most entertainingly, how do they do it? This is a movie that you just want the characters to scheme and scheme and scheme and hang out for each other for hours and hours. And for those who rate this film low in general or slow or without plot, I ask that you look again because this is the movie that takes Tarantino seriously. This is the movie that introduces what the crime genre is about if it's done well and with no ridiculous violence or shootouts at the end. Jackie Brown is underrated. That's a fact and clearly overshadowed by the others of Quentin Tarantino's work. But when revisiting this work of art, you just may realise that this man's masterpiece is not Pulp Fiction or Inglorious Bastards, but is in fact Jackie Brown. But anyways, that's all I have time for with this movie. One of my favourites, and it is a masterpiece in character development, and the casting is next to perfect, especially that of Pam Greer, which rival, which rivals Michael Keaton's nostalgic casting in Birdman. Anyway, please subscribe to me on Spotify, iTunes, and Google, and you can also give me a follow on Instagram, Film Exploration AH, or lowercase or one word. And once again, thank you for tuning in to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry.